Tonight we're going we're gonna to talk about the provision of God or the Lord is our provider. Um, I thought originally, after the last time I prayed, I, I even talked to Joplin, I thought God wanted me to preach on what has God said. But about a week later, he affirmed that that was not what he wanted me to preach. It was about his provision. And he proceeded the next, about a, I think it's been about a month ago, um, to work on me every day. And one of the last things that I want to challenge each one of you is the same thing he challenged me to do. And that was to try and look in your life before you were saved and after you are saved and see if you can find one place where he has not provided everything you needed. Now, I know that sounds pretty easy, but I'm telling you, it's not very easy. And it's pretty convicting in a lot of different places. And tonight I'm going to share a testimony that happened to I and Jamie. Um, Christian, he's our middle son, was just a year old or just a little less than a year old. Josh wasn't born yet and Braden was pretty young too. Um, Jamie and I didn't live very righteous lives, I can tell you. In short, we drank a lot. Now, I never did any drugs, um, but I didn't live for the Lord. And um, I lived for myself. And some rough times had come. I think, well, right before that, it's kind of important. Right before that, I had everything I wanted. I had the right job. I made plenty of money. I had a house. Found a girlfriend. Everything was going good. Then the company went south. I ended up having to file bankruptcy. And everything just kept snowballing, snowballing, snowballing. And eventually, Jamie and I decided maybe it's in our best interest if we moved up to where I grew up, which is up by Leonardville. And uh, maybe change the scenery would make things better. But it didn't. I was still the same me. She was still the same her. We were still living the same lives. It was just somewhere else. It never works. So don't think that you can try and move you to somewhere else, change your scenery and change your circumstances. They'll be the same. So eventually things got really bad there. I didn't have a job. Uh, I pretty much burned all the bridges from my parents um, and any other family members. We literally had a house that had no heat. We had no food. I had no money to go buy food. It's the only time that I can remember in my entire life where I didn't know where the next meal was coming from. And if you ever want to feel desperate, take yourself there. It's lonely. It's scary. And you don't, I don't know how else to say it. You're desperate. It was right before Christmas. And uh, remind you, I'm, we weren't saved at this time. We get a knock on the door. And it was a church group from Manhattan who had traveled over 35 miles to come to our house to provide us some gifts for the children, a couple gifts for Jamie and I, and they brought food. I still to this 
I don't know where it came from. Yes, I do. But I didn't know then. It was a seed that day. I still have the pants I got that day, by the way. They're a little faded, but they still fit. Hallelujah, they still fit. But, I can remember, and those of you that may not be saved in here, I can remember praying with the person. I can remember what he looked like. I don't remember his name, but I remember what he looked like. He had long, brown, curly hair. We went outside, and he did the church prayer. I don't even know what he said. It was just a bunch of mumbo-jumbo when you ask, if you ask me, because I had no idea what he said. But every time God brings up provision, that's the first thing He points to. He pricks my heart. He says, I was there then. I was there then. And I wasn't saved. He cares for each and every one of us. And never changes. Everything that is needed has been provided. Everything. You will never exhaust the provision of God. So, um, what I'm going to do tonight is, is actually out of Genesis 22, verses 1-14. through 14, And I'm going to connect the story of Abraham and Isaac and the mount on Mount Moriah to... Jesus and the cross, the ultimate provision. But I want to, before I get to that, I want to explain a little bit to kind of give you a background on what I mean when God was, He, he did it all before He even pointed to this. In the creation, just the creation, you can see the provision of God. He created the world and He made everything up to, let's say, day six. I mean, He gave the fish water to swim in. Okay? He put land animals. But before He did that, He created the land and gave them vegetation. He created man. He then created woman for man. He gave them dominion. Everything was... You can't get away from it. Now, the the thought that God really had given me, and I don't, I want to be careful how I say this because it's not. <laughs> well, I'm just going to say it. If God were like us, and He had things He did better than other things, which He doesn't, everything that is an attribute of God, He does it just completely the same. So you can't say God loves more than He's just. He's just more than He's faithful. He's uh, merciful, but He's a little lacking in whatever. But if God was more like us, provision would be right next to love at the very core of who God really is. From the very beginning, He was a provider. You see it on the first side of sin where He provided woman for man. He provided them food. And you also see the glaring difference between man and it has always been man's problem. 
It's not, it's sin, obviously, but it's the pride. It's the opposite of being humble. It's the opposite of being satisfied with what you've been provided. Think of the Garden of Eden. You're talking about what's the most beautiful place on earth? Maybe Hawaii, maybe southern France, Italy, I don't know. The Garden of Eden blew them all away. But the one thing they couldn't have, that's what they went after. What they were telling God was, I don't want your provision. Your provision isn't good enough because I want to provide for myself. Man's number one problem has and always will be, if I can provide it for myself, I will. Because it takes a humble man to admit that he needs help. So it was the pride that made them eat. They were deceived. I mean, there was other things that went into it. But on the back half, they made the mistake. God provided everything they needed. The water, the food, everything. They still ate the fruit that they were not to eat. They sinned. And what's the next thing that happens? God comes looking for them. Well, I don't know if that's a loose term, looking. He knew where they were. He hollers out for them. And what did he see? He sees that they had provided again for themselves. What did they provide for themselves? The leaves, the clothing. That's right. And what did he say? It's not sufficient. So He provided again for them something that was sufficient to cover their nakedness. That's the covering of the sin. That's the blood of Christ. This is just a small portion. I, you look through the whole Bible you ain't getting too far from provision. I haven't even gotten out of the first chapter of Genesis basically. And it's almost a half an hour long. But He provides for them there. Okay? So, let me read the Scriptures. Genesis chapter 22, verses 1-14. through 14. Um, Jason, you want to pray for us? Amen. Chapter 22, verse 1 through 14 of Genesis says, Now, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, wrote, uh, excuse me, 
Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and the lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but there's, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there. And he placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here am I. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day. In the mount, pay close attention here, In the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So, at the very beginning, you see in verse 2, God tells Abraham to take him to the land of Moriah. Moriah is actually there. It's a land of Moriah, not specifically the mount of Moriah. That comes a little later. But the land of Moriah is uh, a region or a chain of what they call mountains. We'd call them big hills. Kind of like the Flint Hills, maybe a little bigger, but mm, I doubt it. But they stretched through Israel. And he told him to go to the land of Moriah. So he went there, and three days later, God shows him the specific mountain, which they later named Mount Moriah. Um, This is the same mountain that later David buys the threshing floor on the summit of the mountain. And then after David is gone, Solomon then later builds the temple on this mountain. Okay, so if I were to draw a picture, um, I'd have to turn away from you. If that's north, that's east and west, Mount Moriah is here. I think this is Mount Zion. And this over here is the Mount of Olives. Okay? He goes up the he, he goes up the mountain, and I want you to see Abraham as the as the father, as God the Father. It's a picture of God the Father and God the Son here. But the later the picture changes it just a smidge. But what did the Son carry up the mountain? He carried the wood. There's connections here. Okay? God the Father, Abraham, 
carried what up the mountain? The devices by which he would sacrifice his son. And father and son, God the father and God the son, went up the mountain together. Remember, the Romans put him, Jesus, to death, but it was God who really was behind it. That's the picture of God's devastation is the knife and the fire. The, the Son of God is carrying the wood. That's a picture of the cross. Okay? Um, I also want you to notice that after they get up there, they've carried, the Son carried the wood up and then He was willingly bound. Jesus Christ didn't fight. He was willingly bound and He willingly climbed onto the cross for them to crucify Him. He didn't have to be dragged there. He willingly said, okay. We're going to move kind of quickly through the Scriptures. I'm not going to hit everyone. There's more to it than just this. (laughs) But for sake of time. In verse 10, Isaac is on the altar and Abraham takes the knife. This is God the Father. Takes his arm up like this and he's getting ready to stab him. And then the angel of the Lord. And if you don't know this already, you need to know it. Anytime you see the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, that is a theophany. It's a, or a, not a theophany. Maybe it is. It's a picture of Jesus. It is Jesus Christ before he came in the flesh in the Old Testament. It doesn't say an angel of the Lord hollered at. It says the angel of the Lord. So Jesus Himself, whom this is a picture of on the cross, is hollering out to the picture of the God the Father. And says, wait, wait, wait. Don't do it. So in this story, the arm of the Father was stayed. It was held back. Aren't you glad that in the story, the life of Jesus Christ, that the arm of the Father was not stayed? Verse 13, he stops because Jesus had told him, don't harm the lad. And he turns around and there's a ram caught in the thicket. uh, Not Jesus. Joplin had preached about this before. Most likely, that's a thorny thicket. I think it's really cool. If you don't really know God very well and you start reading the Bible, He doesn't do things by accident. Okay? It's not coincidental. It's not ironic. Why would He see the substitute for the Son here? Why would you see that just caught right here with thorns? Who else wore thorns right there? Who else is our substitute? But furthering the substitute thing, if you follow Jesus Christ's lineage all the way back, He comes out of the son of Seth, which is the third son 
of Adam and Eve. Anybody in here know what Seth means? It means anointed and it means substitute. You think God was trying to tell you something from the very get-go that His seed would come out of the one that was His name means substitute and anointed? And then later would be your substitute? And this this situation with um, the ram, he puts the ram on and he sacrifices it. And what that does is it really affirms what Abraham originally thought there in verse 8. Because Abraham, when he was confronted by Isaac, he says, Isaac says, uh, I'm going to paraphrase here, Dad, we got the wood, we got the fire, you got the knife. We ain't got no sacrifice. And what what did what did Abraham respond? In verse 8 there, he says, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. God will provide. And he sure did. Okay? But one of the coolest things that I want to get to, and obviously I think God's awesome. I mean, he, He's so meticulous. He's, he's very intricate. I mean, just the smallest little minute details that we would just pass over, He makes sure that those point that way too. He never skips it. I mean, it's, it's awesome. You want to you want to find out? You dig and dig and dig, and I'm promising you, you will not be disappointed. Well, obviously, this is a picture in the Old Testament of what's coming in the future. Jesus had not come in the flesh yet. Jesus had not died on the cross yet. He had in in God's eyes. That all took place in God's mind or eyes or however you want it before the foundations were even made. But it physically hadn't taken place yet. But 2,087 years later, you remember when I said pay close attention to the last part of verse 14? Abraham, the whole verse says, Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. That's where we get Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider, or Yahweh Jireh, which is the Lord will provide. But then right after that, it says, in the mount of the Lord... It will be provided. And up for debate in today's society is exactly where Golgotha is. Golgotha is the place of the school. It's also known as Calvary. They know it was in and around Jerusalem somewhere, but they don't know exactly where it is. They have, uh, the last time I did this study, they had three possible sites. Three. Because it was the only three places that was relatively close to the tombs that he was laid in. It is my summation or my opinion. This points to where he was crucified. I have an eyewitness account that somebody I knew went to Israel. And he said he never really got that scripture. 
Never got it. Never understood it until he stood on the Mount of Olives and he saw for his own eyes, his own self, he saw how the mountain was shaped. But the old city of Jerusalem was built around the temple and Jesus was crucified outside the city gates. And one of the places, and this is my belief, is on that mountain. So he wasn't kidding when he said, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. What is the it? It was the ultimate provision. He, 2,087 years later, he sure did provide on that mountain. He fulfilled with complete accuracy, except for his arm was not stayed upon his own son. He took out every single thing that needed to be done. Can you imagine if God did 98%? And He spared Jesus two pluckings of His beard, two hairs that got missed. You want to know how meticulous God is? Down to the hairs that got pulled when they pulled His beard had to be done If he skips it, somebody can't be covered. He provides. He is our provider. Provision to accept it takes humble, humbleness. Those of you, I don't know, there are some people in here I don't know. Most of you I know. And I'm pretty confident you're saved. But if you're in here and you're not saved, you don't have a relationship. You're fighting right now. You're fighting the provision of God. He's provided His Son on the cross to cover your sins. And right now you're having an argument saying, no, I can do it another way. I can make it to God another way. And He says, no, you can't. And He will provide. And here's the coolest part about provision. Most people don't have any problem. Well, not any problem, but most people don't have some problem with God providing financially when they need it. A healing when they need it. You know, something good. Mercy when they need it. But when they need discipline or chastening, Wait a minute here. We don't want any of that. We don't want any of that kind of provision. He will chasten you. That Remember that, that story, that, that um, testimony I shared? He was chastening me. He was, <laughs> in uh, lack of a better term, he was hurting me or corralling me into a corner to where I would have no choice but to go, I have nothing else. He wanted my attention. And I beg you, if you're like me, oh, God save you. (laughs) Turn before you get to that point. But I can tell you on the back side of that, you'll have more love for God than you could know what to do with. Because you know how far you were. 
But it takes humbleness to accept the fact that you can't do something yourself. In reality, Christians struggle with the same thing. It's just not in regards to salvation. You've made the big acceptance of provision, but we struggle with the same thing. We don't want to make it look like we need help. We don't like asking for help. We don't like sometimes when God provides something. Eh, that's not really what I had in mind, but thank you anyways. How many times do we walk by those? Provision is so its so close to your walk. God is constantly laying things in front of you. And I challenge you, open your eyes. Open your eyes, just like I challenged you in the beginning. Look at all the times where God has provided in the past and coming and here. But you have to look for them. Sometimes you don't have to look for him. Sometimes he's smacking your face with him. He's and you're going, I don't really want that. I, me too. Okay? We all have that issue. But I'm telling you, submission, humbleness. The more and the quicker you submit to it, the easier it is. I'm done. You can go ahead and come on up. Um, wasn't really a, a sermon about salvation so much. This is mainly geared toward the Christian. But if you're not saved, come tonight. Accept for the first time in your life, that you can't make it to heaven by yourself. You like the idea of heaven. You like the idea of being supported by God. But you don't like the idea of having to admit that you have a problem and you need help and you can't solve it. You're still trying to walk through life with your fig leaves. Saying, God accept me in these this is what I want you to accept me as. And God says, but son, that's not, it's not sufficient to cover your sin. You need my son. So come tonight and ask Jesus Christ to save you. If you're a Christian, I challenge you to look it all through your life and see if God doesn't bring in your heart a time in the past that He really was taking care of you and you never really noticed that it was Him. It'll change your view of who God really is and how involved He really was in your life before you became saved. He loves you. He's going to provide for you. Sometimes it's not so fun, but He's going to provide exactly. Somebody said it tonight. I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was you. It may have been her. I don't remember who it was. But He will provide exactly what you need. Whether you accept that, is a diff it's, that's different. But He will provide everything you need. So come tonight if you need someone to pray. Somebody will meet you at the altar.